The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. In a world where nothing is certain, can help you to find the right way. should follow today. This way will take you to the best jump from around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. Hi, my name is Dr. Finney and I will be your host today. Those of you who are just joining us, the Post-Truth Podcast is a part of our regular ongoing Identity Matters Podcast. We create these little series underneath that primary podcast network. We did one on Gen Z. We have done one on many different topics. And this particular series is called the Post-Truth Church series, where we are examining all of the weak areas within the church as a whole, addressing those issues by applying the identified truths in Christ to those weak areas. The number one, obviously, is leadership. The greatest downfall of the church today is we have no more qualified elders. Now, I know they're out there. I'm friends with many of them. But those numbers are shrinking day by day. Having over 500 pastors leave the pastorate on a monthly basis, that's just in the United States, is a bit alarming. And the reason why that they are leaving, folks, is because they know they're not qualified. And it's getting to them. And they need to get out of it. No matter what their psychobabble has been in their theology, there's no way they could convince themselves that they were being this model that is talked about in our scriptural passage today. It has this effect where it loops back on you. So you can tell yourself to believe a certain ideology or theology. In due time, it's going to loop back on you and destroy you. That's exactly what the word says. Self-destruction will take place. But if you are in the living, breathing flow of sound doctrines that you do not question the word of God, you embrace it. And if something is spoken to you through the word of God and it doesn't match what you're believing on the inside, you need to realize one simple factor. What you got inside that little brain of yours is nothingness to God. Your thoughts have no impact on his theology. Your thoughts have no impact on what he believes. Your thoughts are simply not his. 
It's to work the other way around where we are receiving what has already been established as truth. And when we receive that, we receive his life. So when we have questions about theology and the word of God speaks clearly on it, most people run to interpretations about the passage instead of simply embracing it because they feel guilty. Who wants to deal with guilt? And the easiest thing to do is to change what God means by what God says so you don't have to walk around every day not feeling guilty or feeling guilty. We adjust God for our own godhood. So the closer we get to the day of tribulation, the entire world is going to be filled with little mimi-gods everywhere. Everyone believing what they believe is significant. And the scriptures actually say, you are nothing. He who thinks he's something when he's deceives himself. You want to do a fun little projection? Put 15 years on a 14-year-old today. 15 years. If the statistics are true about what we spent three and a half months going through on Gen Z, and if you remember before that, we did eight messages on the millennials, which is where it all started. Add 15 years to that, where people are actually believing that their thoughts are as large as God's. And if they do not agree with a certain thought of God, they state their opinion. Instead of receiving truth, that will set you free. I don't argue with the scriptures. If I don't understand them, I say so and move on. It's not my prerogative to figure out God's mind. It's only my prerogative to receive his. Period. So when we look at the attributes of a great leader, what's some of those attributes that come to mind? Communication is a very interesting word in connection to leadership. Communication comes from the Latin root word of commune. Commune into the Greek and into the Hebrew means the process of oneness. So when you have a leader who is communing, it is a bonding thing. It is a relational thing so that the goal of his authority can be delivered to the people. And if people don't feel communed, led in one direction, they have the tendency not to carry out the orders that have been given to them. You know, even though that these truths are just mind-bending and so profound that they can literally change countries and nations and leaders of nations, and you've said very clearly that you're in charge of the judges of the land. You're in charge of the kings. You're in charge. The reality is God proclaims often that he manipulates even evil people, evil leaders, i.e. Satan, 
to accomplish a higher calling and holiness. I'm seeing the reality of this truth in what we're trying to do with Christ's life leadership and the agony that I experience in, Lord, who's really going to get this? Really, who's going to get it? And see, the Lord always brings me back where two or more are gathered in my name. I shall be there with them. He'll be there. The commune will take place. All it takes is one leader to take a city. Just one. That's all it takes. So today's message we're titling, 18 Characteristics of a Quality Leader. So even though indwelled believers are not to put the emphasis on performance, the responsibility of carrying out the leadership tasks assigned to you is imperative, gifted or not. Quality leadership starts with quality submission. So my whining and complaining session doesn't accomplish anything with the Lord because whining and complaining is clearly spoken about in the Bible. And honestly, there are not very pleasant things said about a whiner and complainer. Most of the connections of a whiner and complainer are directly connected to spoiled children. Then when you look at the topics in the Word of God about spoiled children and see what God does with spoiled children, it should cause you to sweat in your socks. It is probably one of the worst demonstrations of humanity to God as a spoiled child. You can't motivate them. They have to be their own God, have their own thoughts, have their own play, have their own work, have their own goals, have their own aspirations, do their own thing, have their own careers. They have to decide. They do not rely upon an authority figure handing down an order to be like dad. You think Jesus wants to be like his dad? You can't separate them. You think the Holy Spirit wants to be like Jesus? You can't separate them. Do you think I want to be like Jesus? You can't separate us. Now see, I got one thing Jesus doesn't have. I can guarantee you folks... I have something Jesus doesn't have. And he's never going to get it. And that's my fleshly self-life. Sin that is in me that is not me. As Paul literally stated. Sin, it is not I who sins, but sin that is in me that is not me. Do you know how much of an identity statement that is? Paul so clearly understood his identity in Jesus that when this sin thing started happening, his own thoughts, his own ways, and whatever else comes with that, he knew it wasn't even him. Very few preachers I've heard preach on that passage. It's not I who sins. 
Well, he is either schizophrenic, minimally double-minded, or something very powerful is being revealed to us here, leader. What is being revealed is a simple fact that who Paul really was in Christ Jesus was the real him. He could not be separated from Jesus' belief system, his life, his spiritual indwelling. But yet there's this sin inside his mortal body that is not him that is causing him to sin. So Paul dumps all the responsibility on the sin that is in his mortal body. Did you know it's a sin to eat donuts? And some of you are eating donuts right now as you're listening to this message. I say share it, brother. (laughs) You see, if we put sin and donuts together, we have an issue. If we put sin and, and, and sodas together, we have an issue. If we put sin with anything else, if you put your emphasis on the most external things, you are sinning. Do you understand that? That's what Paul's saying. So he shifted his thinking as a leader back to his unmovable unbreakable relationship with Jesus. That's who he really was. If you do not have that with Jesus Christ, you cannot hear the orders of God given to Jesus, imparted to the Holy Spirit, to be manifested inside you so that you can use your spiritual gifting to put a plan together so he can carry it out through you. That's Christ as life leadership. Those of you who are wandering around in the desert saying, how come you always talk about God said this, God said that. I know God, it's because I hear him. Don't you? If you don't have that commune connection, you're not going to receive any orders. You'll make up your own and call them biblical. And those are the Christians that I don't think are real Christians, honestly. They have to make up things Jesus believes. The issue of divorce and the question that came up earlier in our discussion about divorce. Do you realize that the the ridiculous movement of divorce that took place since the late 1920s to this present day? I was alive when the average national statistic of divorce was 0.05. And now it's 3.5 divorces per marriage. In other words, when you get married, young person, the odds are that you're going to get divorced, remarried, divorced, remarried, and maybe the fourth one will work, or at least half of them. (laughs) The 0.5. Because of that, Normal, natural, neutral, lukewarm theology. We have a full-on generation that does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that he will pick other gods 
five, six, seven, eight, twenty-five, thirty, three hundred gods, it doesn't matter. Whatever I choose to believe is holy. That came because of the practicality of deficiencies that took place in our marriages. Yeah, we got a problem. Quality leadership starts with quality submission. How in God's name can you submit to Jesus Christ if you can't even hear him? The orders stop at the ears. You can't process it. Here's our three objectives, though. Through the empowerment of Christ in each leader, they can accomplish any skill put before them. Any skill. If you are a gifted leader, they're obviously going to come natural. If you're not a gifted leader, it's something that you can focus on to become a workman worthy of his hire. Well, since the majority of the great leaders in our world today were nowhere close to knowing who Jesus Christ was, but still considered in history as some of the greatest leaders that walked the face of the earth, how does that work? It's called skills, talents. You're born with them. You're born with talents. And if you start to put a special training on those talents, you'll get good at it. But when you become born again, the Holy Spirit empowers those talents and they become spiritual gifts. So in Jesus' case, he was a carpenter And Carpenter works well with the ministry that he had. He was building the first church. And so forth and so on. A person who's a nurse and they don't know Jesus Christ, never received him in in their lives, but yet they are excellent nurses and caretakers. And then when they become born again, guess what spiritual gift they have? Mercy. Mercy. You pour that into a natural born talent and you've got power about ready to be born. This is how it works, leader. So we need to talk about a couple of those great leaders in history. We're going to start getting into the 18 powerful leadership qualities. And finally, over the next week or two, we're going to end on the godological leadership. There's actually a logical God-logical process that he uses. It's very logical to him. Anyone who has the indwelt mind of Jesus Christ considers it basic logic. I see it as basic logic for God the Father to give an order. Do you know that one of God's name is law? He is the law that came to dwell among us. He's the word. It's the law. He hands out a mandate. Jesus Christ received it and fulfilled it. For he fulfilled the law. Then after the fulfillment of the law was a gracious gift because he could not expect humans to be able to carry out the mandates. They were always failing. So a way had to be provided for the the law to be fulfilled to satisfy God. And once the law was fulfilled, he set up a process for people to actually have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ to speak gently in a whisper in your mind 
to carry out the mandates of his dad. It's logical to me. And it's heresy to most. That's what we mean by Godological. The origin of power. God is the origin of original power and the supreme source of earthly established authoritative positions. It is his job to delegate authority and tasks to whomever he determines and wills. And ironically, in many cases, the earthly governor himself may literally be in a position of not only knowing God, certainly not having the indwelling life of his son. But here's this leader. So now comes God saying that he's in charge of these leaders, even if they don't care to ever know him. That's what puts God in a position of using leaders like pawns. How do you think Satan feels when, I'm assuming he can read in a couple languages, when he reads about how God is literally going to move him around like a pawn on a chessboard. Each seal being opened is when Satan's got his permission to do the next level of destruction. Murder, strife, lukewarmism, on and on and on and on. It's just God barking out the orders. Now's the time. And he has to quickly run and do what the father told him to do. Now, student, if you wanna if you wanna know the irony of this, and please take a moment to try to understand this, hopefully by the mind of Christ. But here is the simple reality of Satan. Satan is a hundred percent obedient to God the Father when he barks out an order. When there's no orders being barked out to him, he's got a lot of freedom to hang himself. And that is how your flesh works. You have all the freedom to say you're God, you're a mini-God, you're you're a medium-sized God, you're this, you're that. You can say anything you want for or against God. And he's not going to send some angel to chase you and pin you up against the wall and say, what are you thinking? He's going to let you go. That's what he does with Satan. But this is the thing that gets me. Satan is obligated to obey God when God tells him to do something, when God gives him a mandate to go destroy a third of the earth. You think Satan would come back and say, well, well, I'm going for the whole earth. You will do a third. Go. He has to carry out that order in his evilness. But humans are beyond that type of obedience. And they set up an arena in their life where they go beyond Satan and demons and defy God all the more. It's an irony to me. Demons are more obedient than you. Satan's more obedient than you. And I am included in that you. Our flesh is wickedly deceptive and deceived 
and disobedient. It's beyond even Satan. 602-292-2982. So this is where our greatest leadership challenge lays, at the feet of all forms of government. And as with any quality leader, they know forming a quality society or environment for workers to carry out their leaders' decisions is imperative. The underline there is their leaders, the leaders' leaders' decision. Everyone works for somebody. This came from God. For without a healthy environment or society of corporate rule, there could be no prosperous society, no security, no private privileges, and all would be confused and anarchy, resulting in a chaotic government and or corporation. What creates order is obedience. Whenever you are defiant to your boss, to your pastor, to whoever has an authority position, that defiance creates what is classified as separation. Once you begin to suffer with daily separation from your authority figure, there's this very unusual thing that has to happen. Either you run away or you have to be removed. Jesus himself used this illustration called the prodigal son. Why in the world would he use that illustration? Why couldn't he have picked something else? Why the prodigal son story? Because if you're defiant, you're going to separate. And if you separate, you'll come against your authority figure. And it's better for you to take that outside this home than to leave it inside this home. So those of you who are suffering this kind of rebellion, I would say quit your job quickly. Please remember to listen to Part B of this podcast. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.